So we're in, a, we're in a series called All Things New. I want to talk about that today. We're going to jump in and sort of my installment in this All Things New idea. I love this topic. I have followed along as you guys have preached through this idea that the God of the Bible is a God who isn't through with you yet. Say amen to that. Now, I told the first crowd this. I, I usually tell people that the first time I preach somewhere, I was raised Pentecostal, which if you're new to church, Pentecostal is a Greek word that means buck wild. So, <laughs> true story. So, nothing you could do today scared me. If you threw a chair at me, it wouldn't scare me. Nothing scares me in church. So, you got to talk back to me, all right? Can you do that? Literally, all the Pentecostals are over here. That got you on the back row. That's a church mother on the back row. That's what I'm talking about. So uh, we're talking about God recreating and making things new. And I want to talk about today how God has bigger plans for your life than you could possibly imagine. I want to stretch you today. When you leave church today, I want you to believe that God has more for you. Say amen. God's got more in your life. Wherever you are, it's not the finish line. If you're at the finish line, if you're done, just close your eyes. You may go ahead and die right now. Just close your eyes and just, just be gone. We'll do a funeral. Everybody's here. <laughs> you ain't got this many friends coming to your funeral anyway. So, If you're not dead, it's not over. Come on. If you're not dead, it's not over. If you're not dead, God's not through. And you have to be willing. I have to. Yeah, that's good. Pre- I'm already preaching good. All those church people know it. You have to be willing, I have to be willing to open my heart and say, God, if I'm not dead, you can't be through with me yet. So I want more. I want something bigger. I'm thinking this little, but you're thinking bigger than what I'm thinking. I know you have more for me. Jesus would say it this way in John 10 and 10. If you're around church for a while, you've heard this before. He said, the thief comes for just three reasons. Now, I grew up in in church believing that the devil did everything, right? I grew up believing if our car didn't start, it was the devil. It had nothing to do with the fact we ain't put gas in it. It was just the devil. So we would literally, my mama may be watching, but we would lay hands on our car. Come on, church folk. We would anoint our car with oil, not, not Pennzoil. Y'all don't do that. I'm talking about mama would go get oil. We'd pray because it was the devil. Everybody was a devil. If you had problems in your marriage, it was the devil. Now, some of y'all, actually, maybe you married to a devil, but... Your kids, it was a devil. Your job, it was a de- everything was the devil's fault. Listen, the, the, the more I serve God, the more I realize the devil only does three things. This is what Jesus said. He said, only this. He comes to steal what God has already given you. He comes to kill what God has put inside of you. And to destroy the future God has for you. Now listen close. The good news is this. God has already decided the future He has for you. Jeremiah says, I know the plans I have for you. And those plans are bright and they're full of hope. And it's an expected future of prosperity and blessing. God's got more for you. And it's the devil's job. The thief comes to steal that away, to kill that. And to destroy that. Some of you know what that's like when the enemy sort of ravages your dream or the thing you thought was planned. Did you graduate high school or college and you kind of had a plan for your life? How many of you thought, man, I got a plan? Yeah, two of you. That's what's wrong with the rest of y'all. I I told you y'all going to work with me today. I I got a plan. You know, we we, we tuck our plan away underneath our arms and we say, man, I'm going to be married in two years. And he's going to be hot. Not like them other guys I dated. He's going to be fine. She's going to be good looking. She, 
She's going to be good looking. She's at least she can cook like mama can cook. Come on, we got a plan. And then you look back over your life 20 years from now and you're like, man, what happened to you? You're terrible. You're not, you're not good looking no more. You never cook. I don't even like you no more. What happened to my plan? What happened to my plan? What happened? To, I thought I'd be further along in life. I thought we'd have kids by now. I thought I'd be president of the company by now, or at least over my department or my division. I thought I'd have a corner office. I thought we'd own our own home by now. We get a plan together. Here's the truth of the matter. Sometimes life doesn't go like you plan. And, and, and the devil sort of steals and kills and destroys that plan that you have. Here's the good news. Here's what Jesus said, John 10 and 10. Juxtaposing himself with this thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, but I have come that they may have life. Would you underline life in your Bible? I've come that they may have life. Now that life is eternal life. That's when you give your heart to Jesus. He saves you from all of your sins. You get baptized. You're in the family of God. He said, I've come to give you life. The second part of this verse is where most Christians live. They live in the comma between eternal life and abundant life. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life. That's eternal life. But I've come that you have it to the full. The King James translation for all the church folk is abundant life. I've come that you may have life more abundant. And that's the life I want to preach to you about today. I want you to stretch yourself beyond just where you're at. Some of us only serve God so we won't go to hell. Now listen, that's a good reason, okay? That's a fair enough reason to serve God so you don't go to hell. But if you only serve God on the first half of that verse in eternal life so you don't go to hell, you're going to struggle through this life when hell comes to you. Some of you know what it's like to face a crisis in your life. When things come to you that, that were unexpected, a loss of a loved one or a spouse or somebody walks out in a, in a marriage and, and, or you lose a, a child, God forbid, or, or something horrific happens, you lose your business, you lose your house and crisis comes, you get terminally ill or something comes to your life and if you don't have this abundant life what I'm preaching, if you don't walk into this next level of living, when you face hell here, you won't have the strength to go through. Most people, faith fail them when crisis comes. It's not that they don't have eternal life. It's that they don't know how to walk in abundant life. It's that they haven't stretched themselves to believe God for more. I grew up in church singing in Sunday school. How many of you went to Sunday school? It wasn't kids ministry. It was Sunday school when we went. Yeah, Sunday school. I don't know why we called it Sunday school. I hated Monday school. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to go to school on Sunday. So I grew up in Sunday school. It wasn't that funny. Somebody was laughing hard. I grew up in Sunday school and we were singing this. Here's what we sang. He's got the whole world sing. In his hand. Still the church people. He's got the whole. Come on, sing. In his In his hands. All the sinners sit over here. None of y'all grew up in church. None of If you at home, when you're watching these folks over here, if you didn't grow up in church, sit over there. All the church folks over here. I grew up singing, he's got the whole world in his hands. And listen, as a child, I believed that. I didn't even know who God was, but I believed he had the whole world in his hands. Here's the problem. The longer that you and I live, the smaller God gets. The less we believe God can do what it is we used to believe God could do. I grew up believing he had the whole world in his hands. And then when life happens to you, 
When you lose something, when you lose somebody, when things fall apart, when crisis comes, when tragedy strikes in your family, in your house, in your home, in your relationship, in your marriage, you start believing. I used to think he had the whole world. Now I don't know if he's got tomorrow. Now I'm not sure that he's got my marriage. Now I don't know if I can trust him with my kids. And we start questioning the longer we live, the smaller he gets to us. I still believe he has the whole world in his hands. I still believe the God of the universe is interested in prospering you. I still believe God has big plans in your life. And before we leave today, I want to stretch you to believe God for more. That wherever you are, whatever you're praying, if you're praying to just barely get by, if you're praying survival prayers, this God, I'm just trying. Listen, some of you need a new house, but you're not believing God for a new house. You're, you're just believing God to keep the lights on this week, okay? I just... God, don't let them turn the lights off. Please, Lord, please let my check get there before they get here with that disconnect notice. I just, I'm just trying, somebody just said, praise God. I'm just trying to get by. God, I don't have to have preachers as kids. I just want kids that aren't on drugs. Come on, let's be real. God, I don't have to have a great marriage. I just want a good marriage. Listen, listen, listen. God wants you and I to think bigger than you're currently thinking. God wants to do, the Bible says, immeasurably more, exceeding and abundantly more than you could think or ask. And he walks into a man's life named Abraham in the Old Testament. We're going to kind of peek into his life for just a moment. Genesis, the 22nd chapter, if you have your Bible. If you bring a physical Bible to church, would you just wave it at me? Wave it at me? Good. Those are all the spiritual people. If you need prayer, those people are spiritual people. Everybody else, she is. She's spiritual. There's stuff falling out of yours, baby. My God, that's big. That's a lot of Bible. That's church Bible when it's like the family Bible. You just walk around holding it like this underneath your arm. Get you a Bible and underline this. Genesis 22 is where we'll be. God's talking to Abraham. Here's what he says. Abraham, I will bless you. Now let's stop right here. This is the hardest thing for some people to grasp. That God really wants to bless you. Point at yourself. Say me. Come on, say me. God wants to bless me. No, no, no. I, I know God wants to bless them. Look at them. They're so good looking. Pastor Jim, Pastor Steve, my God, there's two of them good looking. You couldn't just make one good looking. You had to make them both look good. They got two good looking. I ain't got one good looking. Okay? They're both tall. And look at them. I'm dumpy. and I'm shaped like a tree stump up here. They're both tall and walking around with hair fluttering around and whatnot. I believe God wants to... I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm kidding, Pastor Jim. Look at me. I'm kidding, buddy. God wants to... I'm, I forget I'm on camera. Y'all got to behave. I believe God wants to bless their family, but I don't know if He wants to bless my family. I believe God wants to give them a good marriage, but man, my marriage, I'm married to this old joker. I don't even like him. I don't know if God can do this for us. I believe God's going to give them a better job, but I don't know if God's going to give me a better job. I believe God can give them good kids, but I don't know about our kids. God says, Abraham, I want you to know this is personal for you. I will bless you. And then here's the really interesting thing God says to Abraham. He says, Abraham, come outside of your tent. This is where they live. And he says, I want you to look up to the stars. Everybody look up. Everybody look at the stars they put on the ceiling. That's so, I don't know why they did that. I, probably because in first service I told them to put them stars up there. There's stars on the sea. He said, Abraham, look at the stars in the sky. He said, your descendants will be as numerous. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. Scientists say that if you were to start counting stars that you could see with your naked eye, it would take you 2,500 years to count every star you could see if you counted one per second with just your naked eye. 
not with a telescope. There are hundreds of billions of stars in our galaxy and billions of other galaxies and hundreds of billions of stars in those galaxies. And God tells Abraham, go outside and look at the stars. That's how many children I'm going to give you. Here's the problem with the story if you're new to church. Abraham and Sarah didn't have any babies. Brandy and I have been married 16 years this year. And for the first 10 and a half years of our marriage, we couldn't have kids. I didn't know it was a big deal. Honestly, living through it, I don't know that I recognized how big of a deal it was until it started happening to us. And then we started meeting other couples. And we just got comfortable, I'll be completely transparent with you, several years ago telling this story. It was just so personal to us. We didn't try not to have children and we were too scared to go to the doctor to find out why we couldn't. So for eight years, eight and a half years, we tried to have babies. I remember the first time we got pregnant. We were so excited, and we thought, man, whatever was wrong isn't wrong anymore. And then we lost our baby to a miscarriage. And we sort of recuperated and sort of pulled ourselves together. And the church we grew up in, man, we full, people were full of faith. I, I know I kind of make fun of it, but, man, those are full of faith. And we came to the front, people laid hands on us. We believed God for a baby. And we got pregnant again. And we lost another baby. And this vicious cycle, straining our marriage. I know what it's like to go to God and just ask for one. God, I don't have to have tons. I just need one healthy baby. We, we, we had decided, literally, we had set a date on the calendar that we had talked about and said, if we don't get pregnant by this day, if we don't, if we don't have a healthy pregnancy and, and have a baby, then we're going to adopt. And, and if, if you're adopted today, if you're, if you're an adoptive family, you're never more like Jesus Christ than when you adopt children. I believe that with all of my heart. Because you choose somebody to be part of your family. So we said, we're going to adopt. And, Literally, my hand to God, the day, the day we circled on the calendar, Brandy says I'm pregnant. Four years later, we have a four-year-old beautiful little girl and a 22-month-old beautiful little boy, and everything's good. God's been gracious to us. We didn't do anything different. Now I'm scared to have a whole bunch of kids. <laughs> I said they only come in two flavors, boy and girl. We got both flavors. That's all we need. I don't need no more. I know what it's like to pray for one. There are people in the room today who know what it's like to just pray for one. There's some people in the room that are just praying get by prayers, just survival prayers, just one. God, I don't, it doesn't have to be everything. I just need this one thing. God, I don't have to have a great marriage. I just want him to quit hitting me. God, my kids don't have to be evangelists or missionaries. I just want them to come home. God, everything doesn't have to be right. I just want one. And Abraham steps into this situation where God says, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars. And Abraham goes, God, I don't even have one. I just want one. God says, Abraham, listen to me. you got to start thinking bigger than where you're thinking. I know you're thinking one child. I'm thinking stars in the sky. There's some people in the room today that are just thinking one child. You're just thinking one child prayer. You're just thinking one get by. If we can just get to this next level and God says, no, no, no. I want to stretch you to believe God for more. I want you to believe that God's got bigger plans for you. I know you're just trying to get by. God says, no, 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 Abraham, I want to bless you. I want you to walk in that next level of living. I want you to know what it's like to live an abundant life, a blessed life, a big life. The God who makes all things new says, I want you to believe me for more. And God says, Abraham, I'm going to make you Descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And Abraham does what most guys would do. All the men in the room say, yeah. There were four of you. Four of you? All the, if, if you're wondering, ask your partner, is he talking to me? 
If you're a man in the room, say, yeah. Yeah, all the men. Here's what men do. Here's what Abraham did. Abraham goes to God. He goes, God, that sounds awesome. Listen, I still got it, but mama's old. (laughs) That's what men would do. You know that's what you would do. You'd say, God, I still got it. I'm good. Don't worry about me. But mama is old. She can't do this. I don't know if she can have no babies. And Abraham and Sarah laugh at God. I don't know if this is a good idea. I'm just going to give you a little piece of advice not to laugh when God tells you to do something. I'm just I'm going to throw that out there for you. So Abraham and Sarah laugh at God. And, and Abraham says, God, I, I'm good. I still got it. But Sarah ain't got it. I, we ain't going to have no babies. God says something amazing when you think about that. This is how this is how God talks to Abraham in, in Genesis 11. He says, then the Lord said to Abraham, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Let me, let me tell you something. When the answer asks you a question, he's not looking for your response. When the answer asks you a question, he's not looking for your. I don't know, God. Let's think, let me think that through. I don't. Is there anything too hard? For, I don't know. But this may be too hard. No, no, no. Here's what God said to Abraham. Listen, you don't worry about what you can't do. Nothing is too hard for God. I think when God talks to me, he kind of looks at me like this, and he looks me in the eyes, and he calls me buddy. He says, "Hey, buddy, look at me." He goes, Abraham, buddy, look at me. Nothing's too hard for God. Quit disqualifying yourself from the blessings of God. I'm telling you today in 1130, quit disqualifying what God wants to do big in your life. God's got big plans for you. I don't know what's hemming you in. I don't know what's making you feel small. I don't know what it is that's that's telling you, man, this is too hard. No, no, no. Nothing is too hard for our God. That's why Jesus would say this in Luke 18. What's impossible with men is... Possible with God. What's impossible with men is possible with God. There are people in the room today who are facing impossible situations. I want you to know, whatever your your small prayer is, whatever your get-by survival prayer is, I want you to believe God for more. Because what's impossible with you is possible with God. And God goes to Abraham and says, Hey, listen, I know it doesn't seem like it's going to happen to you, but it's going to happen to you. I know it doesn't seem like that you can get this, but you can. I know it doesn't seem like you're ever going to own a home, but you can. I know you don't think you'll ever get out of bankruptcy, but you will. I know you think you'll never find love again because he walked away or she messed up, but you will. You will, you will, you will. There's more in your life. There's something more for you. There's something bigger for you. You don't have to settle for just getting by. Abraham, you don't have to just pray for one. I've got stars in the sky. And that's the kind of blessing I want you to have. Not only does God have big plans for your life, but He wants us to think big for our life. Not only does God think big, but He's given us a mandate to think big for our life. You have to learn how to stretch your mind, to believe God for more, to think big in your life. You and I cannot come to God who's got big plans for you with small plans for our own life. God says, I've got big plans for you, and you have to start stretching your mind, stretching your heart, stretching your faith to believe for more. Sort of what started me down this path, believing God for more, was one of my devotions. I read out of the paraphrase, the message paraphrase. Have you ever read this translation? It's a wonderful paraphrase. It's good for study. So I read in my devotion times out of the message. And here's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians. This is the message, 2 Corinthians 6. He says, Dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide, open, spacious life. 
If you have a Bible or notes, I want you to underline that. I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. And then here's what, here's what Paul says. This is what every preacher wishes they could say. He says, we didn't fence you in. In other words, stop blaming Christianity and your faith and the church for fencing you in. Well, I, I could have fun, but, you know, I got church. I can't have no fun. Well, I could have more money, but I got a tithe. You know, that dummy I live with says we got a tithe, so I don't know what we're going to do. Paul says, listen, we didn't fence you in. That smallness that you feel, I'm about to, Paul's going to punch you right in the mouth. You ready? Get your mouth ready. He said, that smallness in your life, you know how you wake up every day feeling like, is this all? Is this it? Is this really all there is to my life? Is this all there is to my marriage? Is this all there is to my relationship? Is this all there is to my job? He said, that smallness that you feel, it comes from within you. He said, we didn't put that on you. It comes from within you. It comes from inside of you. Your lives aren't small. You're just living them in a small way. I love that language. He said, God didn't design your life to just barely get by and live small. You're just living a big life in a small way. You're just barely getting by when God's got more for you. God's got bigger plans for you. And then he says this. I love this. He says, I'm speaking as plainly as I can with great affection. (laughs) If Paul were alive today, he would say, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? He said, open up your lives and live openly and expansively. He says, I want you to abandon the smallness of your life. I want you to abandon smallness in your conversation. Do you know anybody who's, who's petty? They just got petty little old problems. They're always picking on petty little old things. Don't point at nobody in church. Just petty little old, It's always a little something, always problem, always a little something wrong with them. Paul says, I want you to abandon small, petty talk and petty thinking and gossip. That's small conversation. He says, I want you to expand your life. When somebody asks you, how's it going? You don't tell them, well, I guess it's going to be okay. You say, no, God's on my side. Anything's possible when God's in it. We're not where we want to be, but God's opening up doors we can't see. You say, oh, that's just positive talk. No, no, no. That's abandoning smallness. And when you learn how to abandon smallness, your lives will open up. You'll start living expansively. I want you to abandon smallness and generosity. Everybody hold both of your hands out in front of you like this. Some of y'all fought on the way to church. You ready to hit somebody? Hold your hands out. Don't hit nobody. Now look look at your fist. The only thing that God can bless is the stuff inside of your hands. Now, He can bless everything that you've got your hands around, but that's all He can bless because your hands are around it. Now, open your hands up. When you and I live our lives in generosity and giving, not only can God bless what's in our hand, but He can now put some more stuff in my hand. You understand what I'm telling you? That you, you don't have to live stingy and closed fist all the time. You can live an abundant life. As a matter of fact, when you do that, Proverbs says that the world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. You ever met stingy people who have small lives? Just little bitty old lives. No, no, no. I want to live a generous life. I want my life to be open-handed. I want God to know whatever He wants to bless me with, I'm ready to receive it. And I'm not going to keep it. I'm going to be generous with it. I'm going to abandon smallness. I want you to abandon small thinking and the small way that getting by and poverty mentality. Listen, poverty has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with your mind. 
It's just barely getting by. Some of us have poverty in our marriage or poverty on our jobs or poverty in our relationships. That's a get-by attitude. No, no, no. Paul says, I want you to abandon all that smallness. I want you to start living large. And every time you do that, every time you trust God, for more. Every time you believe God for more, every time a man or a woman stretches their mind, stretches their faith, walks outside of the tent and looks at the stars, then you get the strength for another level. Every time you stretch your mind, you tap into something bigger than where you are. Some of us have believed God for big things, and then when you finally step into another level, you go, oh, well, that's why I had to go through that. How many of you know that you can't trust God on the next level until you know God on this level? Some of you go, God, I want to know you as healer. Well, you got to get sick first. God, you're my provider. Okay, you may go broke first so you know that this job isn't my source. God is my source. Are you with me? When I stretch myself, I tap into something bigger because here's the truth. When you get to another dimension, when you keep walking through life, when you live long enough, you'll face a new level. And we used to say in church, I told you I grew up real churchy, real gospel church. We we used to say it like this. When you get on another level, you're going to face another devil. I wish I could drop this mic right now. I'd drop it all the way down there. That's the way we used to say it in the old church. A new level and a new devil. Now listen, that's true. Sometimes we go to a new level and we go, Oh God, I didn't know all this was up here. I didn't didn't know it was going to be this much. And if you don't stretch yourself on the level you're on, you won't ever be able to have strength for the next level. I'm about to preach to somebody. Listen close. If you don't stretch your mind for where you are, when hell comes to your life, you may not have the strength to get through. Most people, their faith fail them when they're faced with crisis and tragedy and somebody walks away and marriages. Nobody walks down the aisle of a church thinking, I wonder how long this is going to last. Everybody thinks it's for forever until it's not. Everybody thinks she'll always be there until she's not. Everybody holds their new baby thinking this is going to be special, this baby's special until they go crazy. Until you get to that new level. Until you go further in life. Until you face something you've never faced before. You'll never know what kind of strength you need. That's why it's important for you and I to stretch ourselves. Abraham, listen, I'm about to take you on a journey. I'm about to walk you through something. You're about to be the father of many nations. You're going to be the father of faith. As a matter of fact, the God of all creation will become a man and come through your lineage. I'm about to do something you don't even know about. And it starts with believing me for more. Our musicians are coming. Let me close quickly. Mainly because it's 1230 and I'm hungry. (laughs) Y'all starting church at 1130. I'm hungry right now. Listen. For years, I've been in ministry, full-time ministry for 16 years now. For years, I have admired um, Bishop Lyles, Bishop Ron Lyles, uh, pastors of church in Fort Worth, Texas. He's pastored that same church for 45, 46 years, I don't know, just a long time. Listen close. This is a true story. And well, I have looked up to him. A lot of people in sort of in, in, in you know, my friends and the people that I'm around, they have looked up to he and his wife and just their their steadfastness, their faithfulness to, to God's house and to the people of God. And they've just been father figures in our life. And about four weeks ago, he has two grown children, a 40-year-old daughter and a 30-something-year-old uh, son. 
about four weeks ago on a Tuesday. His 40-year-old daughter took her own life. This man who has given his life to God's house, raised his kids and and pastored an amazing, thriving church and supported missions around the planet. And, and in the blink of an eye, literally, in one phone call, the whole world changes. She has two children, good husband. Let me just pause here and tell you God's in control of everything, nothing happens, He doesn't know. So don't jump to conclusions about stuff you don't know. God's in control. So this horrific Tuesday transpires. I get a phone call. People start running to Fort Worth, Texas. The funeral is Friday night. The place is packed. This is the church he has given his life to. The church he raised this daughter in. It's literally wall to wall. They're standing there in the lobby. They're, the doors are open. The people standing out. It's, it's bananas. And, and I had some pastor friends that and we sat. I literally sat on the second row right where you are. And the casket is right here. And second row right there. Nobody sat on the front row. The second row. Dead center. And five feet from his baby is Bishop and Mrs. Ron Lyles. And I got to tell you, I was a little embarrassed about it, but I couldn't help. But stare at them. I literally sat on the second row for an hour and a half. And I just stared at them. How do you face the worst day of your life? What do you do when hell comes to your world? When everything falls apart? When this is the worst possible scenario? What strength? This isn't about my eternal salvation. This is about hell. What do you do? Literally, I was mesmerized. I couldn't, I couldn't quit watching. I, I, I watched him sing the songs. and The speakers on the stage were, were amazing. And I watched them laugh at the stories and smile. The service came to a conclusion and the worship team comes back to the stage. And they sing, It Is Well. You know that song, It Is, it is Well? And it's my hand to God. I watch the whole thing. Second row, I look over and I watch Bishop Ron Lyles, 66, 67 years old, take his wife by the hand. Nobody in the room is moving. No, what do you do? Everybody's crying. Well, how, how do you respond, man? What do you do? And I watch, so help me God. I watch him take her by the hand, stand to his feet, 6263. I watched him drop her hand. And five feet from the casket of his baby girl, I watched him put his hands as high as he could in the air. How do you live through the worst day of your life? The strength he had to worship God that day didn't show up that day. He had been believing God for years and years and years. He had been stretching his faith so that when he faced the hardest day of his life, he could stand and say, it's well. 
There's some people in the room today who are facing the hardest days of your life. She walked out. He walked out. The kids have gone crazy. You can't have a baby. What do you do? If you haven't stretched yourself for more, when you face hell, you won't have strength. But I think if you'll open up your life, if you'll open up your mind and quit praying survival prayers, pray big prayers. Pray prayers of abundance and faith and strength and courage. Then when the day comes that you need it, you'll have it. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Now God, I've done my best and preached all day about the God who can do the impossible. So I pray you would do the impossible. I pray for people in the room who have given up on their dreams. People who have walked away 20 years from now. 30 years removed from a dream, from a marriage that was supposed to last that didn't. From a baby who was supposed to live beyond their, their parents and they didn't. For a spouse they had to bury. For a business that they had invested their whole life savings in that folded. I pray for people who've given up. For people who have just prayed survival prayers. God, it doesn't have to be great. Just get me by. Just get me through. I pray that today they would open up their lives. Now everybody in the room has their eyes closed. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. and We're going to raise our hands. We're going to talk to the God of the universe. The God who has the whole world in His hands. And we're going to ask Him to do something big in your life. He's going to pronounce over you the blessing like He did Abraham. I'll bless you. He's going, he's going to stretch your mind. There's some of you, when you close your eyes and salty tears fall inside of your mouth, you're going to think things you haven't thought in years. Maybe God's not through. Maybe God can do it again. Maybe God really can fix our marriage. Maybe God really can give us a baby. Maybe God really can save my kids. Maybe God really can give us the home we've been praying for. Maybe God really can give us a better job. Some of you are going to feel in your mind. I'm telling you, I feel the Holy Spirit right now stronger than I have all day. Some of you are going to believe again for more. So take your spouse by the hand, your friend, whoever's with you. Stand all over the house. Do it quickly. Do it quickly. Take them by the hand. Put that hand as high as you can in the air. I can't pray this for you, but I can pray it with you. I want you to close your eyes tight. I want you to raise your hand as high as you can, and I want you to pray. You can pray out loud, or you can pray to yourself, whatever you do. I pray out loud, God, I believe in you for more. God, I'm trusting you to do something bigger than what I could ever do. God, I'm believing you to do something great in my life. God, it's not over. It's not over. God, if I'm not dead, it's not over. God, if our marriage, it's not over. It's not over. Everything's not through. God, you're not through with me yet. I know I may have passed my 40s or 50s or 60s. 60s, but you're not through with me. I know, we, I know we've, we've gone through our tough times in our marriage, but you're not through with us yet. My kids, you're not through with my kids yet. You're not through with my career yet. It's not over yet. Come on. I, I want you to pray a big prayer. I can't pray it for you. It's different for everybody in the room. I want you to believe God for more. I want you to ask Him to expand your mind. I want you to ask Him to expand your faith. God, give me faith to believe you for something like I've never believed you for. God, give me faith to dream again. Give me faith to think again. Give me faith. God, give me 
vision of something more in my life. God, you're not through with me, not just one baby, Abraham. I want to give you descendants like the stars in the sky. I'm thinking bigger about your life than you're thinking. Come on, pray bigger. Pray bolder prayers. Pray prayers that stretch yourself so that you get strength. And when God shows up in your life, you'll have strength for the next level. You'll have strength when crisis comes, when tragedy comes to your life. You'll know, you'll you'll be able to believe God can do anything. Nothing's too hard for our God. Now with your hands raised, if you've never prayed this kind of prayer for the first time, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, Jesus said, I've come that you have life. You can't have abundant life until you get eternal life. Until you surrender your heart totally to Jesus. There are men in this room. There are women in this room who have never completely surrendered your heart to Jesus. You've come to church. You've prayed even. But you've never given your heart to God. You've never really surrendered. I can't pray this for you. But if you'll pray it out loud with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need you. I repent of my sins. Forgive me of my sins. Everything in my heart that's not like you. Everything in my mind, in my life. Every way I've lived for my sins. I turn around. I do a 180. I dethrone me off the throne of my heart and I put you, Jesus. I believe that because of the cross, you saved me. Because you were, you, you were buried and you rose again, I can have eternal life. I believe that with all of my heart. I'm asking you to save me from my sins. I'm asking you to give me that eternal life. I make you the Lord of my life. I'm going to follow you from today. I'm going to get baptized. I'm going to get connected to church I'm going to serve I'm going to follow Jesus from today forward in Jesus name